Everyone wants to be successful in this life, and our Lord Jesus Christ was faithful enough to tell us just exactly how to be successful. So let us read again the last two verses of our scripture lesson. Matthew, the sixth chapter, 33rd verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Right there tells us how to be successful. And sometimes being a success in this life is something that people strive for all of their lives. And yet when they get down pretty well to the end of their life, they kind of glance back over it and see that they haven't been too successful. But after all, how do we measure success? Success is not measured in the things that we may possess of this life. It seems that the Lord Jesus Christ put a lot more emphasis on being successful at being a Christian and being involved in the things of God, being ready for the kingdom of God, and not too terribly concerned about the things of this life. This 33rd verse seems to pretty well sum up the total of the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about a lot of different things through this 5th and 6th and 7th chapter of Matthew, and it's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. It tells us how to live, how to act, how to treat our fellow man, and just goes through a lot of different things. We get down to this 33rd verse, and it just seems to sum it up. It says, just seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that pretty well sums it up. Now, that's pretty simple. All of these other things he mentions throughout these three chapters, we may forget them. But if we can go away from the house of God with this one thing, that we're going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, most of the rest of this will just kind of fall into line where it belongs. You have God uppermost in your mind and a desire to serve God to the very best of your ability. And you will find out that it just takes care of a whole lot of these other things that are mentioned right here. Now that makes it pretty easy for us, I think. And, I, and as you read a lot of the Lord Jesus Christ's teachings, you find out that he comes up with a lot of very simple statements. Now, if we'll just take that statement at exactly what he meant, to seek the kingdom of God first, yes. it just solves a whole lot of problems. Yes. We can just forget about a, a whole lot of other things, and we won't even have to worry about it. Why, he tells us we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Are you worried about tomorrow right now? How about it? Since you've been here in the house of God this morning, have you been thinking about things you've got to do tomorrow and kind of concerned and worried about it? Well, I suppose it's natural to worry a little bit, but you know we can cast all of our cares upon Him because He careth for us. And that applies to us right now, this generation that you and I live in. 
It, it, it wasn't way back there in Bible times that you could cast your cares uh, upon the Savior or cast them upon God. Why, that applies to us today. We don't even have to worry about tomorrow. Uh, the Lord's going to take care of tomorrow. His grace is going to be sufficient. Tomorrow may be evil, and, and there may be problems, uh, but right in that 34th verse, he tells us that the, uh, uh, it's sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, he's going to supply us with the grace that we may be, uh, that we may be need, that we may need for tomorrow with something we confront tomorrow. It'll be there when we get there. We may not know what we're going to face tomorrow. But I'll tell you, God's grace will be there with us if we have sought first the kingdom of God. Amen. Now we've got to get these things in the right order. And the right order means that we seek the kingdom of God first. Now that's very simple to understand, I think. I don't think we have to go to the dictionary to find out what it means. And I don't think we have to spend a long time in some religious course someplace. But I think what that means is just turn our whole lives right over to God. Yeah. Just say, God, here's my life. Here's my all. I want it spent in the service of the Lord. Uh, and I don't want to be greedy and holding it to myself and doing my thing. But I want my life and my time spent in the service of the Lord. There's a good start right there. If you've made a start some years back, well, amen, God bless you. But if you haven't made the start, uh, today's the day to make the start. Amen. Whether you're right here in the house of God or whether you may be right in your own home listening to this uh, morning service, uh, but you can pray wherever you are, and God will meet you when you meet the conditions. It's real good, of course, to be in the house of God, and we recommend that. But not everybody has the... We're with all to be in the house of God, uh, and uh, uh, God knows the hunger in your heart, the desire in your heart, uh, and He can do just as much for you right there in your home as He does for us here in the house of God. God isn't limited by the four walls of any particular building. No way, is He? But, oh, He can work in that heart that's hungry for the things of God. It has that desire to make, uh, to seek first uh, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The Lord sees that desire. Yeah. The Lord knows if we've got that in our heart, uh, and if that's uppermost in our mind, uh, or if our hearts and minds are, are after something else, or looking some other place, or for some other thing, uh, uh, God knows all about that. Uh, uh, we don't fool God. Uh, not a single one of us has ever fooled God. He looks right down in our hearts and knows exactly what we're thinking about. But just think of the blessings uh, that uh, God pours out upon us individually and personally as we seek first the kingdom of God. He talked about uh, up here in the 25th verse of that uh, scripture lesson about what you're going to eat or what you'll drink or what you'll put on or so on and so forth. Uh, he just lists out several things there. But you know, God can just take care of all of those things. Each one of them, when it comes time uh, where there's a need, uh, we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, uh, and then uh, we can just enjoy the blessings of God throughout our life. Uh, but there's a lot of spin-off to the blessings of God. Not only the blessings uh, that we enjoy as an individual, but the spin-off is it, uh, of it is, is the blessings uh, that our families enjoy. Our children enjoy. 
the influence, the godly influence that we can have upon our children. Or it may be the other way, the godly influence that you may have on your parents, the godly influence that you may have on your brothers, your sisters, or other members of your family. And when you know the gospel and have heard the gospel call, and just seeing these simple little texts like this that say, Seek ye first uh, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Uh, there comes a responsibility upon your shoulder. Yeah. And it's a responsibility uh, that not a one of us can pass off and say, uh, Well, uh, uh, that's their problem. Uh, they have to take care of it. Uh, but listen, you and I have a responsibility as we hear the word of God. Look in there and read what God expects out of us, uh, and to realize that we have a responsibility for our fellow man. That responsibility is pretty well taken care of when we seek first the kingdom of God, seek after His righteousness. And as we yield our influence in things that are right and proper, now we don't have to look very far uh, to find things that are immoral and indecent and sinful, but each one of us can be an influence for good and right. Amen. And that's our responsibility. It's our responsibility personally to make sure that we're ready to meet God in peace. That we have prayed as an individual, had that blood of Jesus wash our sins away. But then the responsibility expands to those around about us uh, that we can influence, uh, those that look at us those that watch our lives, and those that talk to us from time to time. And each one of us can be an influence in an ever-widening sphere as we go about our lives. The gospel call isn't something that we can take lightly and say, well, I can take it or leave it. No, it isn't that. There's just that responsibility right there. The spin-off comes uh, as we live for the Lord, uh, and we're an influence uh, upon those that we meet. Uh, and we can look at uh, through the Bible here and find many uh, that, that uh, uh, have taken a stand for God in the way that God blessed their lives, uh, and what an influence they were uh, to their children. Go back in the Old Testament and read the account of Hannah. The big desire of her heart was that she might have a child. But as she prayed that prayer, as you can read there in 1 Samuel, the first chapter, she said, Lord, I'm going to give him to you all the days of his life. Oh, there was a consecration made right there. There was a woman that was interested in the things of God. She was seeking after the things of God. And the thing that she desired the most uh, in this life, this physical life, was that she might have a man-child. And right on top of that, she says, God, if you give me that man-child, I'll turn around and give him right back to you all the days of his life. Oh, what an influence that had uh, on that young child. God answered that lady's prayer. And she had a man-child, and Samuel was born. And it tells us about how her husband, Elkanah, went up uh, year after year to the temple, where the tabernacle it was, I guess, at that time. And most of the time, Hannah went along with him. But after Samuel was born, she told him, she told her husband, 
that I'm going to stay here, look after the child, and after he's weaned, I'll take him up to the priest. Ah, what an influence. There was a spin-off from that lady's life. She'd sought first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And as she did it, and she lived for the Lord, and I believe her husband cooperated with her. It just looks that way from reading the Bible. doesn't appear that he laid one straw in her way, but he was perfectly willing to go right along with the consecration and the dedication that Hannah had made. Oh, the spin-off was from that uh, was the fact that Samuel uh, served the Lord throughout the days of his life, became one of the great prophets of Israel, and God blessed his ministry to the people of Israel. It talks about the circuit that he had uh, where he traveled around between three different cities uh, to judge the people of Israel. But he was influenced uh, way back there as a very young child, probably right at his mother's knee. When she talked about the things of God and what God had done for Israel, I'll tell you that each one of us have a responsibility. That responsibility is to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We need to take this seriously. Realize that we get, I'm afraid, too many people throughout the country just look at religion and church and think, oh, well, so what? People go and people don't go. But, oh, God has a call on each one of our lives. And that call is just exactly like Jesus spoke it here in this 33rd verse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Oh, if we can just get that thought across. uh, To seek first the kingdom of God. uh, That we might be ready uh, to live this life uh, and to live it to the very fullest. uh, And realize uh, what God has for us uh, if we'll just take that stand and go all out for the Lord. Go back a little bit further in the Old Testament in the time of Noah. I'll ask you one question. If you stood there seven days before the flood, God spoke to Noah once and told him, Yet seven days and I'm going to bring the rain. It's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. It's time to get on board all the animals. But if you were standing that day as a young man and your father was telling you it's time to get on that ark there, the flood's coming. Or if you were standing there as a young lady and your father-in-law was telling you it's time to get on that ark, what would you have done? Well, think about it. Here was Noah, a godly man. Lived for the Lord all those years. Sought after the kingdom of God. Those boys watched that dad of theirs. They watched him year in and year out. And as the wives of those three sons came into the family, I'm sure they watched Noah's life too. But as they watched it, they saw a man who was seeking first the kingdom of God. It meant a lot of hard work getting that ark ready. A lot of hard work. But they labored away on it. And they saw in that man one that was seeking the kingdom of God. And the spinoff from that was that when it came time to step on board that ark, they stepped on board. 
And Noah saw his family spared from the flood. Yes. If you and I live a Christian life, if we seek first the kingdom of God, we just may see our children spared from a lot of things in this old world. We may see the real blessing of God come upon their lives. I'm sure those young people, as they stood there, the devil talked to them. says, how do you know that thing's even going to float? Think a minute for what the naval science consisted of at that particular time. Probably a few people had floated around on inflated animal skins. Maybe somebody or a few people had floated around on logs. Maybe somebody else was a little bit smarter and he'd lashed three or four logs together and he'd floated on that and gave a little more stability. But that was about the extent of naval science at the time the ark was built. There nothing ever been built like that before, and there wasn't anything built like it for centuries afterward. And you can just imagine uh, the old enemy coming around and uh, how the devil will shout into people's ears today, and young people's ears especially. He probably stood there and talked to those young people, uh, Noah's sons and his daughters-in-law, said that thing won't even float. When that water does come, if it ever does come, why, the thing will capsize. There's nothing like that around here. But, oh, listen, that godly influence took over about that time. That man that had sought the face of the Lord, and sought, sought after the kingdom of God all the days that those boys could remember. Their father had been faithful in the service of the Lord. And that godly heritage took over in their lives, and they were willing to step aboard a craft that nobody had ever seen before or tried out or proved or anything else. After all, that vessel was three stories high. The devil might have stood there and said, that thing's top-heavy. It's going to roll over as soon as it starts to float. But remember, God designed that ark. He told Noah how to build it. And Noah just believed enough in God to put it together just the way God told him to do it. And we all know the story, but that flood came and it rained for the 40 days and the 40 nights. Uh, and the fountains of the deep were opened up uh, and, it, and the flood came, but that old ark floated. Yes, it did. And it was the salvation of the people that were on ins- inside of it. And it sustained the lives of the animals that were there too. Oh, our God's pretty big. And can you and I back off and say we can't trust God? No, we can't. We've just got to have that desire uppermost in our heart to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And there's the conclusion, the answer to the whole matter. We try to back off and figure it out and think, well, we should do it this way or we should do it the other way. But listen, we take the Word of God just like it says. And we can look at these accounts throughout the Bible where people were influenced by their godly parents and God blessed their lives because of the influence of the parents. Of course, the young people had to be willing to say, yes, I'm going to walk in the will of God too. I mean, they had to come to the decision and say, uh, uh, yes, uh, I'm going to be a servant of God too. 
I'm going to be like my folks and I'm, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. Just mom and dad being a Christian won't get you inside the pearly gates. But it's a great influence and it's a great blessing because they probably prayed for you year in and year out. And if they're still alive, they're probably still praying for you. But you're the one that's got to say within yourself, uh, I'm going to arise and I'm going to seek the kingdom of God first. And I'm going to be an overcoming Christian too. Yes. The gospel is for all ages. We read about the old and we read about the young. We look across our congregation and we see the old and we see the young in here. And they're all praising God and thanking God for the victory. But we're concerned about those that are out of the ark of safety. Those that hear the story from time to time. Maybe almost every Sunday. And still haven't started out to seek the face of God. Still waiting for something. Still waiting for something to happen. I don't know just exactly what. The influence of the devil, obviously. Telling you you've got more time. Or some other excuse such as that. He's pretty clever. He's been at this business of deceiving people many, many years. He knows how to influence people. And he does this. But you're just going to have to kind of take the bit in your mouth and say, I'm going to arise and seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah. It, takes a, it takes a stepping out like that. Yeah. It, it just takes a, a turn in the road for you to turn and say, yes, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. And I'm going to do something about it today. Yeah. Not way down the line someplace. But I'm going to do something about it today. I'm going to make that calling an election sure. And I want to be among that number that's seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I don't want to drift along with the old crowd and just be a part of the everyday crowd and end up out there in a lost eternity and forever lost and no chance of ever getting out of that place called hell. That's a terrible thought to have to think about. But it's a fact. Jesus taught about it. He taught about heaven. He taught about the kingdom. But he also taught about hell. And he was pretty straightforward about it. Just put it out there just like it is. And the smartest thing that you and I can do is to heed that warning. Heed that fact that it's laid out right there. That's exactly how hell will be. But along with it, he tells us about those mansions that are prepared over there. Yes. He says he's going to come back and receive us, get us. Isn't that wonderful? That's a day to look forward to. Oh, that's a day to look forward to. Not just what we can accomplish down in this life or what we can acquire in this life or, or the things that we can heap about us, uh, but to realize uh, the blessing comes in seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness uh, and, the, and the seeking after the things of God uh, and what we acquire in a spiritual growth uh, are the things that are going to amount to something in this life. Not only in this life, uh, but far more important in the hereafter. 
Oh, yes, that hereafter. It always worried me, for I was saved. Life, I could kind of bluff it away. But that hereafter worried me. Yes, that eternity out there, and where was I going to spend it? But as John the Revelator stood there that day, and he saw a great company that no man could number from out of all kindreds and nations and people. That elder stepped up to him and asked him who they were. And John said, Sir, thou knowest. And the elder said, These are they that have come out of tribulation, washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Ah, yes. There we get right down to the bottom line. They were standing around the throne of God. Those Christians, those people that had sought the kingdom of God first, and had got down to the bottom line, and John saw them standing around the throne in those robes of white. Oh, let me ask you this morning, are your robes white this morning? Have they been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Or are they stained with sin and the old things of this life? Listen, you can get those old sin stains washed away today. And you'll be able to stand there in robes that are pure and white with that large number of people that John couldn't number. Out of every nation, language, and people. And there they stood and praised God. Ah, oh, this morning, do you want to be among that number? That number of blood-washed pilgrims that have sought first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Don't let the devil bluff you out of it and say some other time. But this morning, come and yield your heart to God and know the forgiveness of your sins. And, oh, and the blood of Jesus can wash away those old stains in your life. Those things that have bothered you down through the years and troubled you. Probably given you many sleepless nights. They can just be washed out of your life, slick and clean. And you can be arrayed in those robes of white and be able to stand around the throne of God. We're going to have a season of prayer this morning. And if you feel God tugging at your heart, we invite you to come up to the front here and kneel and pray. And just see what God will do for you today. The victory he'll give you. Let us stand and sing and gather for prayer, please.